Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. My name is Trainer Chip Ritchie, and I'm joined here as always by my co-host Azul GG. What's up, Azul? How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Um, been having a pretty good week so far. Getting back into the swing of things with content. Also, a couple new shows coming out: Lord of the Rings show, Game of Thrones show. So I'm excited for TV. Really excited for TV. I've been this excited for TV <laughs> in a long time. So Same, man. I've uh, been en- been enjoying that as well. And then uh, the content's been a little bit, st- I've been enjoying getting back into content. It's been a little bit stale because we're still in the same format that we've been in for a while. But Lost Origins is uh, really, really soon. It's coming out a couple days. So going to be really excited to be trying that that stuff out. So a lot of exciting stuff coming up, of course. Uh, and then, of course, like the first regionals of the season is coming up as well already so soon. Feels feels so soon anyways. Uh, but what about you, Chip? How was uh, your first week with the uh, with the young lad? First week was good. First week was tiring. That is for sure. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of waking up in the night to take care of things and change diapers. Lots of changing diapers. I've been peed on many times. <laughs> <laughs> We've learned how to combat it, though. You know, as soon as the diaper comes off, uh, wipe goes down over the crotch, a shield, <laughs> protect ourselves a little bit, keep it off the walls and the floors, <laughs> doing what we need to do out here. Learning is as, uh, as young parents, but it's been fun. It's very sweet times. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, cool to even just in a week see how he's like changed and like he's opening his eyes more looking around uh it takes some like several months i think to start really registering like things like locking onto people's faces and like so it's kind of just like blank stares looking all over the place but he's a sweet guy and you know i love him and <laughs> is definitely a, a weird time still but also same by the way i've been watching some tv some great shows i've really enjoyed both house of the dragon and the rings of power both shows have been very good so far i have also been watching she hulk which i cannot say the same for (laughs) (laughs) i actually thought that one's been like okay so far my biggest issue with the show is like they just are they're not doing anything like it doesn't feel like anything (laughs) is happening there's no like i don't have any of the problems that like i feel like a lot of people have like that i see complaining about it on twitter and stuff um you know the cgi is not the best but it's a lower budget production compared to the movies and stuff like i can get past some bad cgi if there's good storytelling if there's something compelling happening if they're building to something i don't know who the villain of this show is and we're halfway through (laughs) season one you know i mean they maybe should have gone like they it's like they're they're kind of more towards comedy they maybe should have gone full comedy Instead of being like, yeah. it feels a little bit in between like going full comedy and then being a little bit more serious. And but. I get that She-Hulk is like meant to be a comedy and, you know, I'm fine with that. The problem is, is like, I'm just so kind of tired of the MCU mantra of <laughs> their form of comedy. It's just, yeah. it's like if, if like Thor Love and Thunder had been this like serious, like kind of more cutthroat Thor movie like the original ones. Um, you know, obviously those weren't like the best, but you know, it's like there was, it, they, they went a little too heavy into the comedy with that movie, I think, um, compared to, you know, maybe Thor Ragnarok, right? It, it just didn't, it, the, that movie, Thor Love and Thunder didn't really know how to take itself seriously. Um, so this show has just felt like too much of the MCU stuff. But anyway, we're not a, a movie and <laughs> pop culture podcast, not here to talk about those not things. Yet. 
we're here to talk about the Pokemon trading card game. And there's plenty to talk about as well. We're going to be this week talking about the return of the EX mechanic. This was revealed at the World Championships. We did not talk about it last week because we had so much to cover. But we're going to give our thoughts kind of on what the future could hold for the Pokemon trading card game competitively um, this week. We'll be talking about that. Also, Lost Origins is releasing this Friday. It will be available later this week on PTCGO and I think PTCG Live for anyone who is still having to suffer <laughs> through that. Um, so we'll be talking about kind of some of our favorite cards coming up, things that we are excited for. Of course, we'll have Guess That Flavor Text, everyone's favorite segment. We are currently tied at three points apiece, so we will see if Azul can pull ahead. It is his turn to guess this week, my turn to pick a card. And then we will wrap up the show talking about Baltimore Regionals, which is just two weekends away. It's not this coming weekend, but next weekend, right? Like, that's pretty crazy. It's, it's like right around the corner. Um it feels like Worlds was not that long ago, and that's because it wasn't that long ago, and we're already hopping right back into the new season. So we'll talk about all those things and more this week. Azul, you ready to hop into things? Yeah, yeah, let's kick it off. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it does feel like we're right back in. I think it's like a little bit more for us because we like we pay attention to every regional championships. You know, some people look forward to the one or two or three that they go to throughout a season, but like I'm traveling to most of them. You're traveling to most of them as of late as well for casting or I mean, even back when you weren't casting all of them, you were playing in some of them, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, for us, it feels like there's no off season. <laughs> and even <laughs> when no I'm break. not, if I wasn't casting or playing in them, like I'm keeping up with what's happening, yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's talk EXs. I mean, we talked about them a little bit last time, like you said, um, and they're coming back. And what, I mean, what does that mean really? Like I, I mentioned this on my stream this week, like it doesn't mean anything <laughs> like i kind of had a rant on my stream where i was like them being called dx's doesn't really mean anything uh people's uh like current gripes with three prize pokemon isn't a way isn't like an actual like way to gauge if a game is good or not just because something is worth three prize cards just we're getting because we're getting ex's back doesn't mean the game will be good either the game is good or it's not and i think a lot of people argue the game hasn't been great last three five years i don't know what what time frame we really want to put on it i liked tag teams i enjoyed zorak formats before that i enjoyed those formats personally past that i think it did get a little bit worse like as we start to get to the later half of tag teams and so on v maxes eh, v stars just smaller v maxes <laughs> so it doesn't really either either the game is built fundamentally well and you could have a pokemon worth six prize cards or you could have pokemon only worth one prize card and either it plays well and it's fun and enjoyable and strategic and in depth or it's not it doesn't matter if they're called the x's it doesn't matter if they're worth three prize cards but more so than what the x's is is my biggest thing with this whole release is what was kind of said in the video the kind of the release trailer about EXs at the world championships where they said it almost seems like they, I mean, one of the things they mentioned is they want to focus on comebacks. Um, but to me, it really felt like they were like saying like, yeah, we know you guys haven't really enjoyed the game the past couple of years very much. We're going to try and do better with EXs is what I kind of got from that little trailer video. Yeah, that was definitely a big standout to me as well. I mean, I'm personally really excited for this. Um, my favorite formats 
uh, some of my favorite formats to play when I go back and play past Pokemon formats are ones that have this type of mechanic in them, where you have really strong basic multi-prize Pokemon and really strong evolution multi-prize Pokemon, kind of both mixed in and balanced with one another, where, you know, you're not going to have basics. I mean, you're going to have basics that are pretty solid, but... If you can build up to a stage two, usually the stage two is going to outclass the basic. It's just a little bit easier to get working with the basic. So if they can do it right, similar to what they did with the GXs in the early Sun and Moon era, um, you know, that 2017 NAIC format is considered by many one of the best modern formats. People love to play the Sun and Moon through Lost for, uh, Lost Thunder format, um, which I think that format has some really fun decks, but I do think it has a lot of problems in it. Like the stall and control decks are kind of just overpowered <laughs> in that format. Pretty good. Um, and then even back to like 2006 one of my favorite formats, probably my favorite format is the 2006 world championships format, which has this mechanic where you've got really strong basics and then evolutions as well, uh, to work around. So I'm really excited and looking forward to seeing what they do with this. It's not really, we, we don't know that much yet. You can't see yep. in the trailer. They revealed, uh, parts of Coridon and Miraidon EX. We don't know what types they are because they're kind of just grayed out, uh, there's some missing words from the texts of their their cards, but three cards we did see were Mimikyu EX, Lucario EX, and Magnazone EX. So we see a basic EX, a stage one EX, and then a stage two EX. And they did also say, it does say on the card, like Lucario EX evolves from Riolu. It does not evolve from Riolu yep. EX, which is, I think, uh, a key differentiator between this and then something just like the V-Star V-Max mechanic. Yeah, yeah. So it'll, I mean, it'll definitely be interesting. And yeah, I think even like the Lucario has like 260 HP. I don't know if we saw Zone's HP. So we got like a couple numbers uh, to work with. I guess I think did 330. We got Magnazone's attacks. Magnazone's attacks leaked yeah. a little bit. We see everything. Uh, oh yeah, from Mag yeah. Magnazone's 330. Yeah. So Magnazone. I think they even said in the trailer they want Magnazone's to rival V Maxes, right? Um, and that's like fine. I don't think like another thing that I think people get wrong. Like I kind of talked just about like. Things being worth three prize cards isn't a bad thing. It's just bad if the game is bad, right? So if three prize, just because something is worth three prize cards and the game feels bad, that's just the game feeling bad. It doesn't matter that it was worth three prize cards. Like the numbers could be twice as big, right? Look at Yu-Gi-Oh numbers. Like you could just like bring you, like Yu-Gi-Oh cards have like, I don't know, thousands of HP and thousands of damage. Like you could just bring that down to hundreds and tens, right? And it would be the exact same thing, right? So it's just kind of like Pokemon is built from the tens, and there was a power creep build up to this point, but they could also just all of a sudden decide one day to make things in the thousands. And that would it wouldn't change anything. Either the game is good or the game is bad. Right. And it's just poor game design versus, oh, they chose to make three prize Pokemon or they chose to bring back two prizes or they gave this this stuff this much HP or this much damage. That's not why the game is bad. It's like more of a fundamentally uh, flawed thing in the game's design point at that period in time. I think the problem with three prize Pokemon doesn't come from the fact that they give up half. I think a common complaint is that, okay, one V max knockout is half of the game over, right? If, yeah. if I, if I KO one V max or a tag team, that means that I'm halfway to completing this game. The issue isn't that that, is the case because if you were three hit KO or four hit KOing those Pokemon, your game is still lasting many turns yeah. and there's tons of different things you can do uh, between that first attack into a VMAX or a tag team and then the final KO attack. 
the problem becomes that these Pokemon are usually easily one-hit KO'd by counter cards <laughs> in the format. And that is really where I think the game has had flaws in the past couple of years is like every single set, it feels like we're getting a counter to what the big bad was of the last set, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly, for sure. And um, I mean, uh, we'll see where they go from here with the X's. And it, it sounds like they, like I said, like it sounds like they're trying to make things better than it has been. And it sounds like they, they're very much listening to the players, which is a good thing. We've been seeing more and more of that from Pokemon um, in general. And uh, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, it could be good. It could be uh, could be worse than ADPization. We'll have to. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to wait. We hope not. We hope not. I've got high ever hopes worse for, than I've got high hopes for for where we're headed here because I do too. Um, it does seem like it's. I mean, and it, people look at Magnazone and see 330 hit points. And they think, wow, that is a lot. But you got to remember, it's a stage two Pokemon and its attacks. You know, the first one being Energy Crush. It deals damage based on how many energy your opponent has on the field, so they can control that damage output. Make sure you know you're playing around being one hit KO'd, and then its second attack does 220 damage so it's two hit KOing like opposing 330 hp pokemon but you're not talking about just responding to big you know one hit knockout after one hit knockout so i'm interested to see where they go with it something you mentioned azul was the uh fact that in the release of this video they talked about comebacks being a important part of yep. this new block and i think that has been a common problem that people have with the game currently where a lot of games last four to five turns it feels like and usually who is winning the game is decided in the first two turns now i don't think that this current format is quite that bad um i think that that was more so the case like four three or four sets ago probably you know maybe like fusion strike evolving skies time frame it really felt like that was a little bit more the case and even farther back to the first sword and shield on format um like before battle styles and stuff came out or i think maybe it was around that time frame i can't remember exactly um shadow rider like urshifu format you know it felt like things kind yeah. of went pretty quickly so yeah i think that comebacks coming into the game is a good sign now and we're not without comebacks at the moment you know roxanne and marnie are both pretty powerful cards but compared to other comeback mechanic cards that we've had in the past where do you kind of feel like in your opinion um you know since you're someone who's competed at the highest level in multiple of these formats um do you have kind of an opinion on some of your favorite comeback mechanic cards you know we've seen things like in ace trainer marnie roxanne and the like um <clears throat> i mean i think the top two for me um and i think they were both like thinking back on it like whenever people talk about reprinting uh you know reprinting age train and reprinting reprinting reset stamp reprinting n um i mean i think n and reset stamp are the the top two i didn't play back when uh admin was a card so i don't know how impactful admin was for making comebacks it was um, very or, impactful <laughs> um so yeah i didn't i mean, I've played like a lot of old decks with admin but yes. i've never like played the format so that's like definitely um and like even when i think back to like 2012 when n first came out um or i think it was around 2012 i don't even like back then i don't remember n being that impactful it was just like you played it but usually your opponent drew the junk armor the catcher and it didn't really matter if i remember correctly um and that was like way more like mewtwo war based so it was like pretty easy to get a return knockout on your opponent's mewtwo um you didn't need that much even if they end you to two so i don't remember and we had portrait and stuff yeah i don't even remember n being that impactful back then um but i think and in reset stamp like it doesn't really matter which one i feel like they were both very very uh powerful 
as comeback cards, but they did it both very well, I feel like. And I feel like you maybe wouldn't want to, you don't just want to reprint a reset stamp or an N in any format, because I feel like the cards were made pretty well for the formats that they were in uh, for the most part. Um, so, I mean, if they reprinted one of those into the new format and then, you know, design, the, like it'd be a pretty impactful card on any format you printed into, you know, design the cards accordingly around that existing. I mean, one of those would be fine, but if something coming out with something new would also be fine as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, just some cards, I think like that level of impact would be good. I like a reset stamp or like an N as an option in the format. Um, Roxanne is, is good, but it's really hard to be able to consistently utilize it and play towards it when you're behind if you're not playing an Inteleon deck, which kind of sucks. I think part of what makes in and admin such strong cards is the fact that early game, they're just consistency, right? Early on, yeah. like if you play three or four in your deck, you can just slap an in down, shuffle your hand in, draw six cards. Like that's a pretty good effect on a supporter. We, we've seen it before with Cynthia. It was a very highly played supporter card whenever that existed. Uh, and then as the game goes on, it can at certain stages become much more powerful or even sometimes detrimental if you in yourself at a bad time potentially so it can like there's definitely a, a skill kind of area to navigate there but the last time in was printed was in fates collide which was back in 2014 and i think you know the game designers obviously know that in is a very good card because they printed it several times right it was printed originally yeah. in black and white <laughs> yeah. and then it came out a couple more times uh in the uh you know released again in the black white era it was printed twice and then printed once again in the x and y era but they haven't printed it or something similar to it again they've always tried to adapt and change it because i think n was a little maybe in their mind too strong and i can understand yeah. that uh idea because it's almost like do you want players to be able to take this card and have it fulfill two roles in the deck, right? It fulfills the comeback option and a consistency option at the same time. Or do you want to force players to have a little bit more decision-making when it comes to those things? And so that's why we saw Reset Stamp was kind of the next iteration where it's an item card and it only affects your opponent. So it doesn't take your supporter for the turn, um, but it's going to be a pretty much useless card for you until halfway to the end game. Uh, of of your match taking place and then you know yeah. whenever sword and shield came out we saw marnie be printed and uh you know and they've reprinted <laughs> other disruption cards as well um like judge has been printed judge, again yeah. uh, several times now where um you know maybe they were trying to say like hey this is maybe let this be your disruption option it's not a very <laughs> strong draw card it does see you a new hand but it's not very um, it's not like the strongest disruption and it's also not the strongest draw. So like maybe this is the middle ground that they want players to land on. And we've had formats before where Judge has been very good. Back in like 2010, it was a pretty highly played card. Um, so then we we move on to Marnie. And then, well, Marnie, I think, is just almost stronger than N in some aspects because N can yeah. lock your opponent out of the game in the late game, but they've at least gotten to play a game up to that point. Yeah. Marnie can just lock you out of the game from the beginning because your opponent goes second, <laughs> plays Marnie, and then you get four useless cards because you've had no time to go through your deck or get set up because you couldn't play yeah. supporter on turn one. Um, yeah. And then and the, the iteration oh, from that finally ends up with where we're at now, kind of with Roxanne. But what we've seen from players, even though it's only been out for about three months now in the West, it's been out for a little bit longer over in Japan, what we've kind of seen now is that the only decks that are really adopting it successfully are Intellian decks that can search that specific card out 
at that one turn that you want to play it. And they're only playing it as a one of. So does it really function as a good comeback card for the format whenever it's only fitting that role in like one specific deck engine i don't really think so because even like you you played one copy of roxanne in your naic winning list but none of the flying pikachus that did well at worlds chose to play the card and i think for the reason of like it's just this one of you can't search it out when you need to you'd rather have that consistency of just that extra boss's orders or that extra marnie in your deck right yeah yeah i think that's fair and i think i think now that we've had marnie when only having previous previously judged before i think we can definitely like draw a distinction between disruption card and comeback card like n sure uh i guess n could be classified as both but i think judge and marnie are definitely disruption cards not really comeback cards right like right, you're not right, right. gonna marnie your opponent to four and be like i've done it there's no way they draw their their one card combo right like the one card they need right like no one thinks that they're like please don't draw the card you need <laughs> right but like you know but when you back when you play n or reset stamp to one or two you know you're a little bit more confident or even roxanne to two right um, so yeah, I think like those are just Judge and Marnie are disruption cards just for how the game flows and the amount of cards you need on average on turn to pull off a reasonable play. Judge and Marnie on average are not going to prevent your opponent from potentially executing their their optimal or best game plan for the turn. You know, finding their boss's orders, finding their Roxanne, whatever. Uh, but then that then you have cards like N Roxanne Reset Stamp that are most more more so comeback cards. I guess you can make an argument N is everything. Um, <laughs> which maybe that's why. They, and I well, think maybe that never might be like why again. they haven't printed it again since yeah. Fates Collide in 2014, because it's, it, it's a card that fits so many different roles. And so I would be really surprised if they go back to that after all this time. But the last, uh, what, like eight, not eight, six years uh, of the game since 2014, they've tried all these different, no, wow, eight years. 2014 was yeah. <laughs> In came out. Fates Clyde was 2016. Okay, that's where the. Oh, yeah. uh, okay. <laughs> Not 2014, 26. So, yes, six years. <laughs> so, the last uh, six years of the game, they've tried all these different things. But nobody's really committed to them in their decks like in, I guess, with the like as far as comebacks go. Um, you know, a lot of decks would play one or two reset stamps, but not even every single yeah. deck would play reset stamp whenever it was legal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that's that's best. Like, I think you do want some decks to and maybe that's why N shouldn't come back, because I think it's best when some decks are like, no, I don't want to have a come i'm not going to play a comeback card i guess we did see some decks play less n yeah and i'm sure that if we went back there would be some decks that were decent that played no n um i mean i would like n back i'm a big fan of it because it does when you only have 60 cards to make a deck with being able to have something like n obviously is powerful but it's powerful for everyone it's not like only you're using the card right your opponent also plays four and it, it does cover so many roles but it also ups the consistency of your deck by a ton because you have a consistency card a disruption card and a comeback card all in the same card which means you have more space to get creative with the rest of your deck and the rest of your list to you know just tackle the current meta or a matchup or a format and you don't have to commit as much space to just being straightforward consistent um or to um you know playing reset stamps and researches and so on and so forth like you just have that one card creates mo so much more flexibility in your list because it is you know it covers so many uh so many different situations so i don't know i, I kind of like it for that reason as well though from like like i mean i really like that every format that had in it i enjoyed so i, I like wouldn't mind for him to come back that's a, that's a favorite format of yours to 2012 uh, what one was that what was played back in 2012 i forget it's like dark <laughs> like just dark cry it was dark cry the format. oh i mean that format was and like okay. a little bit <laughs> okay i like n 
I like the second printing of N. That, that form, when because we had a period where there was no N for a little while, but after that, the second printing for, of N is is was the better time for N. I think in X and Y, whenever it came back out. Yeah, yeah, X yeah. And y. Yeah, that's uh, that on was was pretty good for to have N around as a yeah, twenty sixteen like Vesquin Vile Plume and Trevenant yeah. and Seismitoad. Such a fun format for sure. Nightmare. <laughs> We had, in. we had in. we had in. well we'll see what comeback mechanic means for them will it just be an in reprint will it be a rehashing of one of these other cards that have come out over the years uh even some i mean and comeback doesn't necessarily mean you know there there is like that distinction between comeback and disruption right where yeah. um you can come back by disrupting your opponent but you can also come back by getting really key pieces out of your deck some other popular comeback cards that would not you know fall into this category would be something like teammates or twins or like something similar right now we have raihan like those all kind of qualify as comeback cards though also just mm -hmm. potentially getting out your stage two that could be where you start to make a comeback right which would be we haven't seen that kind of happen in a while but that could be you know your turning point where you get out your stage two or a two stage twos or a stage one with a stage two you know rare candy out of stage two and all of a sudden you're winning the game probably isn't great that doesn't really scream comeback but like you know if you got to set up that bigger board and once you finally get there that's when you can start to lock your opponent out of options and and take over that could be maybe what we see more of which i would like to like to see a mix of that plus you know mix of that plus some hand disruption so definitely a lot of exciting things in the future. Scarlet and Violet's first TCG set will be early 2023, and that will also be when the rotation of the Pokemon TCG format happens. So we will lose the D block and go to E block onwards, which would be battle styles onwards. So is that 100% confirmed? Because like I, I had like a discussion, like what if they just re-rotated EX? Like if they came out with a huge EX set, 400 cards, and then just we're just like, all right, it's EX on. Or is it already confirmed that we're gonna lose D block and keep because they they did they did kind of like preface the video with like the new standard, right? Like mm-hmm. when they went to with the trailer video. So I don't know. I had that discussion with a couple people. I think that would be super sick because that means they put like a lot of time and effort into this like next set coming up. That would be really cool. Here's the information they put out pre-worlds. It's a post on the, the website. It says standard format rotation information. For the last few years, the Pokemon TCG standard format rotation has occurred in either August or September. However, the next rotation will not occur until early 2023. This means that cards with the D regulation mark can be used at the 2022 Pokemon TCG World Championships. The newest expansion that will be legal for play at this event will be the Pokemon Go expansion. The exact date for the next Pokemon TCG standard format rotation will be announced later. Uh, and as stated in the 2022 TCG Championship Series season format rotation article, when the next rotation occurs, all cards with the D regulation mark will be removed from the standard format. So it is possible because you could remove the D's and the E's and the F's at the same time. I don't think that's what they're gonna do, <laughs> but sure, it's possible. It's po- we could just rotate this. So we could just rotate the Scarlet and Violet on. Honestly, honestly, what yeah, could happen is that the new Scarlet and Violet set comes out, and they say, "Okay, guys, here you go. Uh, four of these cards are legal, and that has to make up your entire deck. The rest has to be basic <laughs> energies." They could say that. They could. They could as well they could i'm saying like they definitely wouldn't tell us that now so they did have to they could have definitely worded it better so it's less 
you know, that it probably is the way you think it's going to be. But I'm just saying it would be cool if <laughs> I think that would be cool. Sure. But it's probably not going to happen. Probably not. <laughs> All right. All right. I think that's it for EXs. Um, so let's move on. Lost Origins coming out this week. That's right. On Thursday. I actually thought like like even just a couple days ago, I thought it was next week. So I'm actually super glad that it is this week. Uh, Thursday this week, it'll be available on PTCGO. The set, the set officially releases on Friday. Um, for anyone who's curious, because I get this question in my chat all the time, so I may as well put the information out there. If you want to get packs on the PTCGO store with your coins, that you'll be able to do on Friday as well. It's always the day after it releases on PTCGO. But you can input your code cards and stuff on Thursday. So it releases Thursday. New set drops. I've actually already had the chance to open up some product that Pokemon sent me. Sent me a couple ETBs and a couple... Uh, build and battles and uh, i don't know i thought i pulled pretty well didn't get any v stars for giratina uh i think i got azoric i think i get i think i think i got azoric v star i got a gold pikachu which looks super sick actually the gold the gold and black cards are super super sick actually yeah they should just like do away with rainbows completely and make the gold and black cards like the new rainbow rare slot i would maybe even go out of my way to play those i play minimum rarity pretty much 100 percent of the time unless i like pull a card that's like a alt art and then I just don't buy another non-alt art, and then I play it. Um, but um, yeah, those sick. The cards are sick. The Lost Zone is back, and uh, there's quite a few cards that work with it. I'm pretty excited for it. Um, Chip, have you taken a look at the Lost Zone yet? I have, and I'm really interested in what exactly is. Uh, it, so, like this, the Lost Zone mechanic is something that's been around in the game since I think it was initially introduced in like 2011 timeframe, something like that. Call of Legends, that would have been the first time, right? I think so. Uh, ever since then, yeah. it has come and gone many times over the years, and each time it comes back, it feels like they've found kind of a new way to interact with the Lost Zone. So. Whenever it came back around the time frame of like Ultra Prism, whenever Prism Stars came out, the only way you could really interact with it was that Prism Star cards would go to the Lost Zone instead of the discard pile. And then Lost Thunder came out, and one of the big things with it was really just Lost March was kind of the main thing. And it was like, if you just get a bunch of Pokemon in the Lost Zone, you can do a ton of damage. And we had Lost Blender as like a turbo <laughs> item card um lost march never really lived up to much i think it got top eight at like one regionals <laughs> maybe yeah and uh you know it was like kind of always like one of those decks that you just went back to to play for fun but was never the strongest or most competitive now this time coming back with the lost zone for the first time you are really just trying to dump a bunch of cards in the lost zone and then that in turn will activate and allow you to be able to play other cards in your deck which i think is really interesting um some really powerful stuff out there obviously a lot of people have talked plenty about giratina v star which just does 280 damage really <laughs> strong if you can get it powered up and the main way to power it up is going to be that new mirage gate item card which you can only play if you have seven cards in the Lost Zone. But if you get to seven cards in the Lost Zone, you get to search your deck for two different types of basic energy and attach them to one of your Pokemon. Really powerful energy acceleration. Reminds me of Beast Ring. I think that's a pretty obvious comparison there. Um, but they're, you know, they're similar but quite different at the same time. You know what I mean? It's an item yeah. that pulls energy out of the deck that can only be played at certain points in the game. But one of them, it's like based on what your opponent has done. And one of them, it is based on what you have done, which is by getting yeah. a bunch of your cards in the Lost Zone. 
and you can with Mirage Gate, it seems like people can build decks that make it happen. You know, turn one, as opposed to yes. your opponent having some control of what's going on. Right. Um, and yeah, Gertina, two hundred eighty damage. Uh, most when, it's funny because like when you said that, I was like, when most cards come out, it's like, oh, you can get up to two hundred eighty damage with this and this. And Gertina's like, no, two hundred eighty damage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with a choice belt and a Leon, maybe a quick shooting. Uh, you you too can do 280 damage Giratina's like I just do 280 <laughs> damage um, it doesn't seem like it is going to be the next Palkia which I'm very help, which I'm very thankful for I don't think it's going to be terrible um, maybe it's a tier 1 deck maybe it's a tier 2 deck but it doesn't seem it's going to be like the next takeover card like we've kind of had a Mew VMAX into Arceus into Palkia I think Giratina and Zorark not quite on that power level which I think is a uh, a good thing another thing I'll just say on the Lost Zone is I wish the Lost Zone would stop leaving I just like hate it when they keep rotating mechanics out. The one I always talk about is ancient traits. I love ancient traits. I wish they had stayed in the game since they were a thing. Um, so I hope I would ho like the lost one to be a little bit more consistently in the game and not be like, you know, these like, what three or four year gaps in between like major lost zone interactions. Like, yeah, um, maybe like one or two sets a year. There is like something built around the lost one. It doesn't always have to be good. Just like, and I feel like we are just going to lose. Like, this is a huge, this is the biggest Lost Zone has ever been with this set release, for sure. A bunch of, it's like a whole engine built around the Lost Zone for multiple different decks that, that can abuse it and utilize it. Um, and I feel like we're just going to not see anything with the Lost Zone after this set, probably, for sure. Maybe in the next set, but like going into the EX era in the next year, we're not going to, nothing of that probably is going to work with the Lost Zone, unfortunately. So I do think the Lost Zone stuff is going to be really good. And the fact that you can be so turbo with it is really strong. And I think the main, you know, factor in that is the Comfy from Lost Origin, which has, I think it's like the flower picking ability. It lets you look at the, yeah, flower picking. Once during your turn, if this Pokemon is in the active spot, you may look at the top two cards of your deck, put one of them into your hand, and put the other card in the Lost Zone. So through scoop-up nets and switches, escape ropes, kind of similar to that old Jirachi Stellar Wish engine, almost. <laughs> you can get, you know, three, four, even more potentially Lost Zone cards just from Comfies on turn one, and that's not even counting yep. potentially playing a supporter like Chorus's Experiment or something like that. Um, in order to put more cards in Lost Zone, maybe using something like the Stage 1 Banette to put some cards in the Lost Zone. There's lots of different ways to dump cards in there so that you can power up things like Mirage Gate and even Fantina potentially, which is another decent card coming from the set. Yeah, so a lot of ways to interact with it. Thankfully, a lot of different... I mean, I think like the Comfy Mirage Gate, is that's going to be an engine, right, for a lot of different decks. I think that just is... And, and now it's just going to be an engine. The, the Mirage Gate Comfy engine um, will be uh, pretty good. A lot of different decks. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, the Fantina possibly working out with the uh, the Gudra. One of my... Uh, this this is not like one of my favorite cards to come out of the set, uh, but one I wanted to talk about was Drapion V. Because the amount of people I've been seeing saying that Drapion V won't do anything to Mew uh, is, I think, absurd. I think Drapion V is the counter for Mew. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Drapion V, basic Pokemon. The ability says for each Rapid Strike, Single Strike, Fusion... Rapid Strike, Single Strike, Fusion Strike Pokemon in play. I think it's those three. Is there one more? That's all the strikes, right? Yes, that, that's um, all of the strikes. Uh, it's each of your opponents does, of those types. Each of your opponents, Rapid, Single Strike, Fusion Strike Pokemon in play. The attack costs one colorless less, less, and the attack is four colorless for 180 damage, and then you do 60 to one of your own Pokemon. So you one-hit KO uh, 
what's it called? It's dark type. You want to KO me with VMAX for nothing. You didn't it have to do anything. It actually does 190 damage, which is actually... Oh, 190. <laughs> I mean, that's a key distinction, though, because... Yeah, Genesec. Yeah, well, no, because it with a choice belt and one energy, if your opponent puts three Sobbles in play, it KOs... Um, <laughs> it KOs Origin Form, Palkia V, and uh arceus v yeah. <laughs> for one energy card <laughs> i think that's the main reason drapion is good not just as a mu v max counter but because it can also exist and do solid against these other decks because of how popular that intellian engine is right now yeah yeah and of course if mu just dies off then drapion won't be good but if Mew's good drapion will 100 it just allows you to so aggressively like win the prize trade against Mew. you can go from like Turn two KO Meloetta into nuke a Mew into boss KO Genesec to win the game now. Like, Mighty Anna came out, but it was a stage one. The format's really fast. You really want to commit a 2-2 slot to your deck. Not really, because uh, everyone talked about Mighty Anna being the Mew killer. But I think Drapion is, there's no way, like, this is a such an absurd amount of power uh, to utilize in a matchup that if it is still a tier one popular deck, a lot of decks are going to be able to build around now and be like, well, my Mew matchup sucks. Not anymore. It's at least 50-50, or you could even make it better. You could just use three Drapions in a row and just KO three Fusion Strike Pokemon in a row or something, possibly. So, um, yeah, definitely uh, definitely going to be a strong one, I think. Uh, definitely could have a big effect on the meta and kind of shutting Mew out uh, for good if it's not already shut out. Yeah, I do think Drapion is definitely going to be a pretty solid card. I think it would fit well into a lot of these like Intellian engine decks, you know, something like a countery type deck almost, you know, something similar to what Ian Robb won the Indianapolis Regionals with, which was like an Arceus deck that had the Galarian Zapdos and then the Galarian Moltres and all those counter options in it. Moltre or Drapion just kind of fits naturally into something like that. Maybe is a one i mean and the fact we talked about this whenever this card got revealed just how stupid it is that this card can just <laughs> for one deck slot do so no much energy yes no energy one deck slot yeah. it's ridiculous <laughs> basic search it with quick ball yep insane very strong card one that i wanted to talk about a little bit and i'm actually kind of we, we've talked about this a little bit you and i and we've maybe talked about this on the cast before um, but that's the Suyan Zoric V-Star. And I think that it, it just, on paper, to me, seems impossible that this card is not just, like, amazing and top tier because it just does so much damage for one energy yep. attachment, can knock anything in the format out. It's not, it's, like, kind of high maintenance, but not really because you have the consistency built in of its V-Star power. Phantom Star to draw a bunch of cards, discard your hand, of course, get Gengars in the discard pile. Like, there is a pretty clear-cut engine for this card and deck to exist but it's been out for a while in japan and it really has not done that well which has been so surprising for me to see yeah i mean as far as yeah i think it's been out in japan for a while um and yeah like i like even though i don't follow the results from japan tournaments too much you usually know a deck is good in japan when just a bunch of like i just see a bunch of tweets from you know different uh different twitter accounts of lists from japanese players and i've been seeing the giratina ones pop up recently um the lost zone the lost zone builds uh with giratina recently pop up on my uh on on my twitter but i've i have yet to see a zorark build pop up on the twitter feed since it's been out so it's usually a decent indication that a card is just not good if, if the japanese lists are not popping up on the twitter feed the card's probably not great and when i do look at the card and look at like what else is good in the format it is a little bit more high maintenance it seems um sure. and then the, the palkia matchup just seems bad to be honest you're filling your bench and damaging your own pokemon 
that she can't match up well into it. Maybe if you just go first, you just can kind of keep pace. I guess that would be your one hope, right? But besides that, it feels like it might just be too tough if Palkia is still as strong as it has been. Yeah, I mean, I feel like for that matchup, it really is the coin flip, right? It's like who keeps who who goes first and is able to take the two prize knockout right away, you know? And if you can yeah. do that as the Zorak player, go first and take the knockout, stream them together, you're going to be fine. But if you're the Palkia player... Uh, and maybe that's where the, the matchup disparity comes in is the fact that Palkia is maybe a little bit more consistent where it's going to go first and it's going to do that 90% of the time, whereas Zork, when it goes first, it's going to do that 80% of the time, something like that, right? Yeah. That might be that might be the, the, the what's it called? The break difference. But speaking of less good cards coming out of the set, uh, and I haven't actually hyped about this card for a while, and I think a lot of people have because a lot of people loved Grand Bull back in the day. <laughs> the Hasuyan Arcanine um is coming out and uh for it's what stage one 130 hp for zero energy cost low low price of zero uh arcanine does 10 damage plus 150 if you have zero cards in you in your hand if anyone remembers granville i forget granville was hitting for like 160 i believe if i remember correctly um was like if you had zero cards in your hand so i think it back was to 130 the, actually was it well i thought yeah. you could like one hit ko azorak if you had like a choice belt maybe it's kakui as well Oh, it, it, was, it was it was 160. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. Because choice well plus a couple shrine pings KO to Zorak. Um, but yeah, I'm super hyped to try out Arcanine. Arcanine is super sick. I don't know if it'll be any good, but attacking for free for that much damage, like you're two at KOing everything in the format, and you're one at KOing like any relevant one prizer as well. So maybe you can keep up. You know, go first turn two attack with the the Arcanine, and if you run it with uh Zorak, which seems like a pretty reasonable thing to run it with, you get the Slowbro involved. Um, you do have to play a couple energy to get you be able to attack with Slowbro, but I don't know, maybe Slowbro can finally see some uh see the, the the light of day with that one. But um yeah, I'm excited to draw out the Arcanine. Something new, something cool. Um a lot of a lot of cool cards to come out of this set. Like I think the Comfy Mirage Gate engine, though, that's gonna be the big game changer. There's gonna be open up a ton of different archetypes with that engine. I think that's just gonna be a huge, huge change in the uh in the meta. But a lot a lot of other cool stuff to try out as well, besides just the the big loss home cards. Yeah, I think Arcanine is super cool. I think compared to Granbull, there's a few things that... The, kind of the main thing that it's missing that Granbull had was a Rangaru, right? A basic yeah. Pokemon that could refill your hand. Because you're... Venusaur. Uh, yes, sure. Maybe. Radiant Venusaur. But that's a one-of, right? And yeah. Rangaru, you, you had a few of them. Obviously, you could also pair this with Bibro, but then you're adding multiple Stage 1s into a single deck, right? Which makes it a little bit more clunky. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I think Arcanine definitely could be good. I mean, we've got Quick Ball in the format. That's something Grand Bull did not have access to, so that's a, a big plus for this deck. We've got Ultra Ball in the format. Very good for a deck like this. You don't need any energy cards, which is something Grand Bull needed, right? You don't have to play any energy cards. And this is a fighting type, which is a pretty good type to be yeah. in the Pokemon TCG <laughs> pretty much always. It's always yeah. pretty decent to be a Never fighting hurts. type, it feels like um you know the fact that you can one hit ko arceus v star one of the most powerful and popular pokemon in the format if they don't get their dunsparce down is a pretty good upside and also you know can ko those zorks running around if anyone does <laughs> if it does end up being decent uh azul's laughing at me for some reason man the card's good yeah, trust yeah. me <laughs> they've done sparse as well but yeah you're right yeah if it, if it doesn't end up being good we'll see we'll see if the zorak uh cuts it or not um yeah not sold on that one yet but you seem to be a little bit more of a more of a fan <laughs> Yeah, the Arcanine, uh, I'm a fan of. I'm definitely going to try it out as well. Decks like this are just a bunch of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward 
to trying it out. But those are just a couple of our favorite cards from the set. Once we kind of uh, next week, I think you know, next week we'll focus a lot on Baltimore since it'll be the following weekend. Um, but we'll have had a chance at least a few days to get our hands on and test the format out a little bit, test with yep. the new Lost Origin cards. So we'll kind of give some more in-depth thoughts on what our favorites are. Looking forward to it coming out this weekend. And from there, Azul, I think it is time for us to move on to everyone's favorite segment. Guess that flavor text where we pick a card from the Pokemon TCG, read that fun little bit of text down in the bottom corner, and see if the other host can guess what card what Pokemon we are talking about. You, of course, do have access to three lifelines. If you get the card correct without using any of your lifelines, you get four points, and then for each lifeline, you lose a point. Of course, the three lifelines being what set the card is from, what stage the card is, and then read an attack name. Have the co-host read an attack name. And it is my turn this week to pick a card for Azul, which I have done. I'm going to just pull it up so I can read it properly. And Azul, are you ready, my friend? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Oh, and for what it's worth, we are tied at three to three. So if Azul gets any points this week, he would jump into the lead. Here we go. Feared and loathed by many, it is believed to bring misfortune to all those who see it at night. Oh my gosh! All right, yeah, I have no clue. Feared and loathed by many, uh, it uh, it brings misfortune to all those who see it at night. It is believed to bring misfortune to all those who see it at night. So this definitely makes me think it's some time of ghost Pokemon. Um, it's the only kind of Pokemon that I would think of that this would kind of work for uh, in terms of uh, the flavor text so far. I can't really think. So I need. I definitely need to use something here. Um, so I'm going to go with, um, I need some help. I have no clue at all. So I don't want to guess like, I'm gonna, actually going to start with set. What set is this card from? This card is from Undaunted, a heart gold, soul silver set. Heart gold, soul silver. I have that. Right, so that helped me very little. <laughs> heart gold, soul silver. Un, what, what set is that? Is that like in the, in the run of, um, so heart gold, soul silver. Um, I think it is uh, Unleashed, Triumphant, Undaunted, I believe. I think it's the last one. I will double check, though. Okay, so Undaunted, I'm pretty sure. The only, like, now I'm thinking, like, the, for some reason, like, so I was thinking about Ghost Pokemon. The... It is Unleashed, Undaunted, then Triumphant. So base, Heart Ghost Silver Base, then Unleashed, then Undaunted, then Triumphant. Okay. Then Call of Legends. So I'm thinking, Undaunted, I think that, for some reason, I'm thinking that there was a lot of dark Pokemon. Like, I think Umbreon, I think there's an Umbreon from... Sparkles of Silver Undaunted. I could be wrong about that. Now I'm thinking about like Mightyana for some reason. So let's get the stage of the Pokemon. Um, well, both of those Pokemon are stage ones, but this Pokemon is a basic. Uh, all right. So now I, I have no clue. That's what I was thinking about as far as Pokemon goes. So far from Undaunted plus the flavor text. Right, give me the flavor text one more time. Feared and loathed by many. It is believed to bring misfortune to all those who see it at night. All right, so give me the give me an attack name as well. Let's use all the lifelines. Astonish. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna go with. I don't know why I thought of this. 
Um, there's so many Pokemon with Astonish. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm forgetting the name of the Pokemon. Uh, Mischievous. Oh, that is incorrect. It is uh. <laughs> Murkrow from. Oh, Undaunted. it was a dark Pokemon. I actually got one right here. The reason I chose it this week, I've been organizing cards. Just happened to have one. I was like, you know what? Let's go with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting like closer. I was like, you were. You right started track. talking about dark Pokemon. I was like, yes, he can get it. But no. <laughs> uh, Undaunted helped me a little bit. I was like, I'm pretty sure there was a decent amount of dark Pokemon in that set. I like, remember that. And, and yeah. see, you've always talked about how that lifeline is useless to you, and it helped I mean, you this time. It like you, you it got you on the bit. right track. You didn't end up at the finish line, but it put you on the right track at least, right? Yeah, put me on the right track, but wasn't quite good enough. Stay tied this week at three and three. All right. Last thing to talk about this week. Regionals. Uh, Baltimore Regionals is this weekend. Um, and uh, I guess like kind of going off of uh, a little bit of our discussion last week um, about registration fees. Peoria Regionals registration has happened uh, since we last talked about it. And it was $66 uh, in some sense. Um, so 66 67 whatever. So cheaper than Baltimore Regionals. Not by that much. Um, and that's kind of been saving three dollars. You're definitely <laughs> spending been... that three dollars to get to the middle of nowhere, Peoria, <laughs> Illinois, bro. <laughs> so or Indiana. Big... I don't even know what's is it Illinois, Indiana, whatever state it's in. Uh, Illinois, <laughs> Illinois. Okay. Um, so that's been a big talking point, right? It has just been registration fees higher than they have been uh, in the past by quite a bit, and um, I think the discussion has a little bit shifted from just pure outrage to. Okay, we're still on ups, not not overly as upset, but we'd like to know where this money is going. Could you send us a breakdown? Could you send us the bill, the receipts? We want the receipts. That's kind of what the discussion has changed to in the Pokemon community. Uh, I think me and you were pretty uh, open to the fact that regionals just maybe just cost more, right? Like in the U.S., like and when you, especially when you compare to other countries, I think the U.S. is just more expensive with these kind of things, maybe as well. Like we talked about um, with the. Uh, the regionals in in Latin America and Brazil was like twenty four dollars USD. Australia is the same. Yeah, Australia is the same over here in the US seventy dollars. Um, and I think another thing, the big another big contention for pushback from players that has kind of maintained has been why are juniors and seniors paying the same as masters? Which I do agree with. They're playing less tournament for uh, almost always less prize payout. Right. Yes. So I do think I think even if they can justify the seventy dollars for masters players, the juniors the fifty juniors and fifty seniors compared to the thousand masters, like you can cut them a break, give it to them for like forty bucks, thirty bucks, right? Like I think I think we could all agree on that. And I would love to see I think these these tournament organizers retroactively pay back the entry fees for the juniors and seniors. I think that seems if they yeah, if, if there's forty juniors, forty seniors and a thousand masters, I think they can be coming in a little just based on those numbers they could be coming in a little bit less but i think they're playing less tournament for less prize money i think they could also be cut a break on the entry fee for sure yeah i think part of the issue here is that um well first off we don't know the invite structure yet we don't know how many points are needed and we don't even know a hundred percent what points will be paid out for regionals and stuff now it's pretty safe to assume that it'll be the same to be honest 
Yeah, yeah, we and we, we we just don't have confirmation of those things. But it's pretty safe to assume it would be the same as in previous years. Um, people people who got points at the London Open got the same amount of points as they would for any special event or regional. So I think it's pretty safe to assume that the points at least would be the same. And I think that hopefully it's. And I don't want to even say this because, like, who knows, man? <laughs> I would just hope that there's no shot that the prizing is less than what it has been in previous years. It should at minimum be the same. Hopefully. Yeah, there would be a, a ma- that's when I think it's definitely fair to be outraged. You're charging more for the entry fee. You're getting a thousand players. You're getting a thousand Masters TCG players to show up to your event if they came forward and were like, uh, Oh, and by the way, you get $1,000 if you win. That would be definitely reason for outrage, I think. So, but to my point, so part of the issue uh, here is the fact that, you know, we don't have these local events. And even though we don't know what the point structure looks like, you know, Worlds is in Japan, right? And you're going to need to play for an invite. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're going to want an invite if you want to go to Worlds in Japan. Like, you could go as a spectator without, but, like, most of these people who are competing at this event, they're going to be trying to play for a Worlds invite. Whether or not they plan to go, whatever it is. You know, they want their Worlds invite. Um, and so, whenever you, there's no other path to Worlds through locals or anything like that, so there's no other types of events announced um you know which we did we haven't talked about this yet but locals did get announced that they will be coming back cups and challenges in early 2023 or sometime in 2023 is all they said but anyway um whenever there's only one path and (laughs) you you can set whatever price you want for that path and people have to pay it if they want to if they want that thing if they want a world's invite they have to pay this 70 dollars to go play in a regionals like they could they could make it whatever number they wanted to and people just have no choice which i think is probably where part of the issue comes in is like people feel handicapped or or handcuffed i think is the word i should go for like yeah like they they this is the only thing they can do is pay this 70 dollars like it's like it sucks but i have to do it i want my world's invite this is my only option (laughs) yeah we show them that we love the game and we want to compete and we want to participate we just want a little more transparency on the side of the, the tournament organizers or Pokemon in general, right? Like, I think yeah. we would all be able to come together uh, and be content with it if we just knew more, faster. We're going to get the information eventually, but it's just, once again, too slow. This is the same story every year. And I feel like pre-COVID, they were getting way better at it, but it's like COVID, they had two years to come out with this information. Uh, <laughs> and now they just haven't been able to. Um, like, I don't like know I even mentioned... ever played a regionals without knowing the invite structure. Like, I don't think that's ever happened before, has it? Uh, we've gotten very close. This doesn't seem new. I, I think we've gotten close. Maybe someone in the comment section who has better memory uh, than me or has played longer what than Chip and has Can better memory Chris? would... Uh... No, actually, probably a little late. <laughs> he would know, though. He probably would know, yeah. <laughs> um i don't know maybe he's a night owl get him with the dm see if he's i might still hit up. him with the dm <laughs> he tweeted like one hour ago he might still be up um but uh yeah i would we just want to know all these things so we want to know how much the prize supported even if it's the same right if let's say the and yeah so locals i guess we we didn't mention that earlier but yeah locals are coming back cups and challenges and i think it is early next year i think they even said not even just next year i think we know it's going to be like probably january february um uh, or that's what like a very good estimate is early next year. They're waiting for the next year for whatever reason. I kind of mentioned it last week. Like I thought they would do it maybe on a quarterly basis, but we'll be in quarter two by the time the next year rolls around. So maybe, maybe at the beginning of quarter three, then maybe that is when it would happen then. Um, but, um, 
but uh, but yeah, we just want to know what we should, we should know the, the the events in a week when the uh, tournaments announced. We should know how many championship points we need for the invite. We should know how much we're winning uh, for for placements at these regional championships and what the kickers are and all of that. Even if it's the same, and the fact that they haven't announced it makes me just do think and maybe it is a little bit different. It's going to be different. I don't know for sure. Um, I would like it to be higher. Uh, if it's lower, I think there's definitely, like I said, cause for outrage. But this this stuff shouldn't like when the new season was announced. That's when all this information should have been out, right? All of it should have been come together as a package. They've had three years to prepare for a fresh season of Pokemon. The half season shouldn't have taken that much of their effort to put together. Three years to come out for for a new season of Pokemon. They've had three years to get all this information together. Um, so any changes they were going to make, they should just know that these changes are happening or not happening, right? And now we're here, and the regional is uh, two, two weeks away, but we just don't have so much information for, for not the event, but for the season, right? The event itself, we pretty much have all the information we need, but we want to know the championship points. How much do we need? How many championship points are we getting at the event? We don't know that yet for sure. How much money are people potentially winning? It's just, it's the same story every year with Pokemon with this kind of stuff. And like I said, I feel like it was getting better before COVID, but we're just kind of one step forward, two step backs, so or like, I don't know, they're just running backwards at this point, I guess. Well, regardless of how many points we're getting or, or <laughs> how much money we're winning, there's going to be a ton of people playing in Baltimore lot, yeah. in a couple weekends. I think, is it at, uh, it's close to a thousand masters, right? I don't think it's quite there. They did, I think, just open up more spots the, this week. Yeah. 1,240. So. so it should be 1,100 masters or more wow. than 1,100 masters. Cause yeah, like, like I said, 40, that's what I'm saying. 40, 50 juniors and seniors, like 40, 40 juniors, 40 seniors, whatever it is. There's about a hundred juniors and seniors combined. It's fine if they pay less than the Masters. <laughs> so pretty um, wild. Over a thousand a players. Going to be a massive one. Uh, could be close to that, you know, all-time record. I think it's like 1080 or something like that is like number one um, most played regionals. So we is could. Is that the St. Louis one a while yeah, ago? Yeah, I think so. Like 2019. Alex Wilson. 2018, something like that. Yeah. So we could we could see possibly the biggest regionals of all time in just a couple of weekends and we'll dig next week a bit more into kind of our more specific thoughts on the meta but let's just talk this week about kind of where things are at and what we're thinking are the top decks that people should be thinking about when it comes to deck building and their testing process so obviously this is going to be the same format as the world championships and also we should mention as well this is not the only tournament that will be happening this weekend there's baltimore regionals there will be the bilbao special event and there's also a regionals happening in brazil as well so three more events happening in this pokemon go format right the the sword and shield through pokemon go same format as the world championships and when it comes to Worlds, it is like kind of a special tournament in and of itself. So how heavily should people lean on those results when it comes to their testing? Should they be doing all of their testing or a high percentage of it against the deck that won Worlds, the Flying Pikachu VMAX Arceus Decidueye deck? Um, should Palkia still be the number one consideration? Where does Mew kind of fall? We saw Mew kind of sneak in there at the top eight. Where, 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 what are, you know, we've talked a lot in the past several formats about the big two or big three, whatever it is, where do we kind of find ourselves with that right now? Um, I mean, I think there is the big, there is a big three and it's, it is Palky and Teleon and Mew, I think as the top two and one of those will be the most popular at, uh, Baltimore. I'm leaning towards probably Palkia being the number one, uh, as of late, I was a little bit more on the Mew train a little while ago, but I think it'll be, I don't think it'll be close. I wouldn't be surprised to see either of them. And then I think Arceus B-Barrel 
Um, or I should say Arceus Pikachu, because there is like the second, third place list did play the Jolteon. So I should say Arceus Flying Pikachu, whether that be with the Jolteon, which I think will be way less popular, because I think the meta will be pretty broad overall. And I don't think Jolteon will be quite um, as good as just the B-Barrel. Um, so Arceus Peak will be the in third place, I think, for most popular. And then, uh, but I think they won't be making up as big of a percentage of the meta um, as potentially in other top threes and other metas have. Um, I think, I mean, only at, at Worlds itself, Palkia was by far the most popular deck. Like, I don't even know what the second most popular deck was at Worlds. Like, day one was like 54% Palkia. Day two was 40% Palkia. So don't expect that at Baltimore. Um, I think Baltimore will be a lot more wide open. And the top three will be, the top two will be probably pretty close, but Peak will be solidly, uh, Arceus Peak will be solidly number three. And then I think from there, you know, it's really wide open after that. I couldn't even tell you what I think the fourth most popular deck will be. Maybe Charizard and Teleon is where I'm leaning right now, but then you have Ice Rider B-Barrel, you have Reggie, like both those decks have been pretty popular lately. Um, Arceus Duraldon is always a deck that people are going to show up with for some reason. So like like the, you know, the four <clears throat> through 10 spot will be all pretty close, I think, in percentages of that they take up of the meta. And it'll be a pretty open meta overall, I think. Um, so you still want to, you want to make sure you beat probably at least Mew and Palkia. If you take a loss to Arc Peak, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, but um, if you could beat all three of them and then make sure you don't lose everything else, I think that's like that's where you want to be be sitting for sure. So we're going to take a look this week at a chart made by Justin Basil. They put this out every single week, I believe, uh, an update on the standard metagame. And this is based on the online events taking place at play.limitlesstcg.com, where like kind of all these online events take place. And this is the meta share based on the number of top eight placements at standard format events with 50 or more participants. So we've got the top eight decks here broken out into tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one decks being 12 to 23% of the meta, tier two decks being 6 to 11%, and then tier three being 3 to 5% of the meta. And at number one, a huge increase, up 17% is Mew VMAX. Maybe riding on the back of a top eight world's finish, maybe riding on the back of people just not really being sure what to play in this format and they don't want to play Origin Form Palkia, so they go back to Mew, potentially. Or maybe, I think a lot of people have been trying out kind of this new Mew build that doesn't play Fusion Strike Energy, doesn't play the Meloetta, just plays yeah. the Double Turbos. I know you played a tournament with this deck, right? So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Because that is definitely quite different from how Mew has been played for pretty much the entire existence of the of the deck, of the archetype. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of funny. It's kind of like going back to the way Mew was played before people caught on to that Meloetta is the best way to play Mew. Or oh, yeah, not, right, not, right. You didn't have double turbos, but it was like a lot slower, more draw supporter based. Uh, that's what you, the kind of power you get when you go with the quad uh, double turbo energy build is you get to play Marnies and Averys and the Avery combos with the cross switchers and Echoing Horn. You can do some really cool stuff with that. Uh, but I do think the deck is just worse than the Meloetta build because I think you're... you're um, Palkia matchup, I think, really suffers to go out of your way to play this uh, quad uh, DTE build. Um, I think it is pretty solid overall, and I, but I do think you lose quite a few points in the Palkia matchup, um, which overall, not a huge fan of taking a worse Palkia matchup. So it's a cool build, very cool take on the deck. Um, it's pretty solid overall. It is pretty solid. And it, I don't think, if you enjoy the build, I don't think that's a reason to just 100% not play it. But if you really are trying to you know, maximize your chance at doing well at the tournament. I would probably say if you want to really play Mew, I'd go with the Meloetta build still. I don't think it's quite better than Meloetta. 
at number two, we've got the world champ winning deck up 15%, and that is the flying Pikachu VMAX. So number one, number two, Mew VMAX flying Pikachu. And then I guess probably no surprise what the number three would be is the Origin Form Palkia V-Star. Maybe a little surprising, though, down 13%. That's a pretty steep decrease in just a week's time. Yeah, I mean, I think it is just kind of like the the, the flying Pikachu is like a newer thing to kind of catch latch on to. Uh, the new take on Mew, plus Mew just being really good in the the way the meta is evolving. Um, and then a lot of people shifting to just like other decks, like in the tier twos and tier three categories. Like people are being like, oh, I want to go play Reggie now. Because like I feel like Reggie got a huge spike in popularity after Worlds, um, which is like kind of people seeing the new the, the new ways to kind of tackle it and uh, and build it and play it. So um, yeah, I feel like it's just like people shifting away from Palkia a little bit because it has been the number one deck for so long that just like naturally happens, especially on the in the online meta specifically, where not everyone's just trying to like, you know, super try hard, trying to always play the BDIF and win every single tournament. Right. In the tier two, we've got two decks here. Ice Rider, Calyrex VMAX with Origin Form Palkia V-Star, and then Reggie Gigas. You were just talking about Gigas. I do think it's definitely gone up in play quite a bit. I think Pablo's 17th place finish at Worlds has quite a bit to do with that. There was also another player from Japan who got top 32 with the deck as well. We don't have that list. That one never got posted, so uh, just have stomped. Pablo's to go off of. Oh, but you played this person, right? They had the, yeah, yeah. the, the four Half paths. Marnie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was like kind of the older build of Regigigas. Pablo yeah. on that new technology with the Pokestops, <laughs> the four choice belts, which is definitely something I really liked about yeah. his list, just being able to consistently find that to try to one-hit KO Origin Form Palkia V-Star. And Pablo actually did a pretty good little thread I don't know if you saw it or not uh, on Twitter talking no, about, so. um, you know, why he was even after the results, uh, you know, I mean, 17th place at Worlds is still pretty good, if you ask me. But, uh, you know, he's still <laughs> very confident and that's the deck that he chose to play. Um, and he has his win rate against Palkia posted here was 23 and nine, a 72 percent win rate in his testing, which is definitely really uh, I mean, if it's the most popular deck, if you can take a 70% win rate against the most popular deck, that is pretty good. And I think most yeah. people would be okay choosing that deck just based off that fact alone. Yeah, especially how polarizing the meta at Worlds was. Like, it was, like I said, 40% of the decks, I think, had... It was either 40% of the decks had Palkia in day two or were Palkia and Teleon. Uh, I think it was probably had Palkia. Like, like me playing Palkia, I tried to be barrel was part of that percentage, I'm pretty sure. Um, or like the Palkia Jolteon deck and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure, um, but I could actually see that not being true to be honest. Because like there was just a there was a lot of Palkia Inteleon. There's like a disgusting amount of it. So I could see that also not being true and Palkia Inteleon being like 40 percent of the meta, or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, I mean if you can if you're beating Palkia, that sounds uh, like you, you put yourself in a pretty good spot for sure. <clears throat> so we could see Reggie Gigas. And that's just a deck that people like to play. So I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. some people just roll up to this regionals and like, you know, they don't, we don't know the invite structure yet. And it's like worlds is in Japan. People might just be like, you know what? I'm probably not going anyway. Even if I get my invite, it's going to be expensive. I'm going to play some gigas, man. And I could definitely see that being <laughs> the mentality of plenty of people at this regionals here in Baltimore. Definitely. Um, I do want to ask you about ice rider though. You did play this deck at worlds. You got top 32 with it. Grant played the same 60, got top 16. Um, how do you feel about the deck right now in this meta after seeing flying Pikachu win worlds? Is it something you would consider once again to run it back in Baltimore in a couple weekends here? I don't think so, just because I think Mew will be too popular. Like, Mew was not that popular at Worlds, and that was kind of one of our predictions, playing the deck at Worlds. 
I didn't think we would be very popular. And, it, you know, it did make top eight, a couple in top 32, but, like, that wasn't popular enough for us to be scared of playing the deck at Worlds. But I think Mew's going to be a much bigger threat at uh, Baltimore. So I, I probably, I, I want to play it. And that's one of the things, though, but I'm never trying to just play a deck because I enjoy playing it or I want to play it. I'm trying to find the deck that I think gives me the best chance to win the tournament. And I unfortunately don't think it's Palkia Ice Rider, no matter how much I really, I really do enjoy the deck because I really do feel like it has a really good matchup spread um across the board i think if i was going to play a deck that lost to me i'd probably play urshifu huge fan of of the urshifu uh that deck's a ton of fun i think it is really solid you beat like all of the decks like palky is like 50 50 you lose to mew and then you just literally beat everything else like handedly beat everything else so if i was going to play a deck that just lost to mew i definitely would play urshifu i think so ice rider kind of lower on your list right now at the moment yeah and then closing this list out here from justin basil we've got three more decks in the tier three the top, number six, being Intellian Toolbox, which I would assume is just Intellian Radiant Charizard, and I would assume as well as most people playing 58, 59, if not 60 of the cards that Ross Cotham <laughs> played uh, to top 16 at the World Championships. And then rounding it out at number seven and number eight, kind of the redheaded stepchildren of the Pokemon TCG right now, Dorelodon VMAX and Blissey V, <laughs> kind of <laughs> rounding, rounding things out. So I do think Radiant Charizard will probably see a pretty decent increase in play heading into Baltimore and I I actually oh, yeah. could see it doing pretty well. I I do think that there will be some really solid players that choose to I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of like top groups bring something like that to this tournament. No, I think the deck is insanely good. I think and I think it's it's like Ross like this is one of the times where this is like rarely happened in the past. Ross like gave everyone like the perfect 60. Like the the list is the list that Ross played is super super good. Um I think there's like the two cards that I think are like potentially replaceable is like the zigzagoon in like 20 some games i've used never used zigzagoon um so zigzagoon i think is uh like the the flex spot for me or like a one of the level balls um but besides that like there's no real reason to change anything to be honest like it's almost like a perfect 60 cards ross just gives it to you unfortunately wasn't able to win worlds with it but i'm sure you know gotta settle for top 16 sure um, get your tournament run with it, and then you give it to everyone else, and now everyone has the perfect 60 for Charizard and Teleon if they want to use it. Yeah, Ross, you mentioned this last week, tied the winning in, and it's kind of yeah. one of those things. What could have been if that, you know, th things go a little bit quicker in that last game, he's able to close it out. Maybe we're talking about Radiant Charizard and not talking that much about Flying Pikachu. Uh, especially if it, like, had... Especially if Ross was able to take down a Flying Pikachu or two, which is definitely possible. The matchup is unfavorable, but actually, I don't think it's, like, awful and if you really want to improve that matchup adding something like an escape rope um improves that matchup a lot so if you're looking to step that matchup uh win percentage up a little bit um could add the escape rope yeah then, then no one would be playing flying pikachu if like if you lose a charizard if it lost a charizard and telling at worlds there'd be no flying pikachus being played at all <laughs> anywhere for sure right so I would definitely be interested to see kind of, kind of like follow just this Intellian toolbox. It will mostly be based around Radiant Charizard, but there's obviously just, there's so much you can do. Irida is such an insane card. Intellian, Drizzile, such insane cards. So many things that people can do with this. So uh, maybe we'll see. It, I guess that's always another question. At the end of a format here, is there any last ditch effort room for creativity from anyone? I mean, we saw Adam Hawkins get top 16 with the good old Agron VMAX, you know, just, <laughs> uh, I mean, is there something else hidden out there? Something spicy that we could see someone make a run, make top eight with? I don't know. The Agron is probably the spiciest thing we would see. Um, and cause like, even like when you look at like, 
you know, the Jaltions in, in like Daichi's list, like that's just like, it makes sense. And it's not something new. We've seen Jaltion pop up in Arceus decks. Um, so that's not like, it's like, it's like, okay, no one else did it, but like, it's not like, oh my gosh, that they reinvented, you know, the way to play Arceus or the way to play the baby Jaltion. It was just like, oh, they put baby Jaltion alongside flying Pikachu. All right. Makes sense. You know, good tech combination around Arceus. Um, so Agron pretty cool from, uh, um, Hawkins, but even then, it's just like a, the, another attacker with that. Like, I feel like we the format feels pretty juiced at this point. Like, I don't think there's much. <laughs> I don't think there's much left. You can see the little things like that, like Agron's pop up with Arceus. Baby Jolteon's make its way into uh, decks here and there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say probably we're pretty much done. I mean, um, and ready to move on to Lost uh, Lost Origins, thankfully. But who knows? Maybe Baltimore will be the last hurrah. So maybe maybe people will go that extra step to try and make that that pet deck of theirs work. Um, for you know this this last run of the format so there might be i don't have anything but if anyone's got anything i may see your time to bring it out so <laughs> go down swinging in the format one last stand for yeah. your favorite <laughs> meme deck for sure definitely well azul i think that's gonna kind of just cover everything for us this week we're gonna be going more in depth into the baltimore meta next week we'll probably do a q a over on the twitter so if you're not following us over on twitter be sure to do that at uncommon underscore energy to follow the podcast you can also follow myself at trainership and azul at azul underscore gg and yeah i don't know any other closing thoughts azul anything else to say about baltimore before we close it out no, I think that does it for me. Um, catch y'all in the in the episode next week. Peace.